Well, hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. On our show this week, so have you ever seen those rants on social media complaining about a certain hotel or flight experience? Well, there's apparently a better way to go about it than just ranting, and some of those tips are outlined in an article in USA Today from travel journalist and consumer advocate Chris Elliott. It's titled, Trying to Get an Airline, Hotel, or Cruise Line's Attention? Try These Social Media Strategies. So we'll find out what those strategies are. Plus, later in the podcast, we'll take a road trip with Travel Nevada and learn about the Lake Tahoe Loop. But first, let's start things out this week talking with Canada's newest airline, Canada Jetlines, which is getting ready to launch their inaugural flight in a few weeks. So joining us now to discuss more about the airline and their plans for the future is Duncan Bureau. He is the Chief Commercial Officer at Canada Jetlines. The website is jetlines.com. Hi, Duncan. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having us. Uh, yeah, well, it's pretty exciting. I've been following the progress of Canada Jetlines for uh, a long time now, and it's been a long time coming, so I imagine you're pretty excited. Yeah, well, you know what? The entire team is incredibly excited. The uh, Jetlines uh, brand has been around for some time. This is a new team that's been around for about 14 months, so um, not as long for us, uh, the current team, but certainly... Uh, the brand has been around for a while. I noticed on your uh, website, though, you're calling Canada Jetlines a leisure airline as opposed to, uh, I don't know, say a low-cost carrier or a ultra-low-cost carrier. So what is a leisure airline in your mind? Well, you know what? I'll tell you, uh, we definitely are not an ultra-low-cost carrier, and we're definitely not a low-cost carrier. Um, what we do benefit from is having very uh, efficient fleet, having a very uh, low-cost base. So, Certainly, we are uh, low cost in the fact that um, our operating costs are low. We've been able to go to the market and secure uh, very favorable lease rates on uh, Airbus A320s, um, which is a phenomenal aircraft. Now, a leisure airline is uh, an airline that is really just focused on BFR traffic as well as sun destination traffic. So the Caribbean, um, the sun destinations in the U.S., um, you know, Hawaii, uh, markets like that, uh, is really what we're focused on. And in the summer, in the Canadian marketplace, as I'm sure you know, there's an incredible amount of demand uh, domestically. So we'll fly domestically in the summer and we'll point the airplanes south in the winter when Canadians want to avoid those uh, big snow drifts. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. How many planes do you have? Well, right right now we've taken possession of our first aircraft. Um, we plan on having 20 in the fleet by 2025. So mm-hmm. uh, we're in discussions for uh, additional fleet um, and those fleet will start joining uh, before the end of the year. Uh, and uh, by 2025, we'll have 20 uh, A320s and potentially A321s as well, which we really like. Nice. So tell us where your initial routes will be or when your inaugural flight will be and uh, where you're going. Yeah. So to start with, um, part of the process of getting an AOC in Canada uh, is we have this 90-day window where we're going to operate domestically in Canada. And so our first flights will be to Winnipeg uh, and to Moncton. So it will be Toronto-Winnipeg, uh, tr- uh, Winnipeg-Toronto, Winnipeg-Moncton, um, and then obviously Toronto-Moncton and Moncton-Toronto-Moncton-Winnipeg. Uh, we'll start with that, um, and then we'll add uh, markets very, very quickly after that. So uh, during this 90-day window, we're going to apply for our uh, rights to fly into the U.S., our rights uh, to fly into the Caribbean and into Mexico. So once we have our Canadian AOC, uh, we can then start the process to apply for other AOCs. 
Do you know your Caribbean destinations yet, or you just don't want to say? Well, we're not we're not ready to share yet, but uh-huh. I can tell you they're very exciting markets. Um, we've been down to uh, spend time with a lot of them. Uh, they're very eager to have a new carrier uh, fly into those markets. The Canadian uh, market's incredibly important to the Caribbean, as I'm sure you're well aware. Um, and uh, we've had lots of discussions with different destinations in the U.S. as well as in um, Mexico. So uh, those those arrangements are already in place. It's just a matter of uh, publishing those once we uh, are ready to put an airplane in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm just curious to know, as someone on the outside looking in uh, a new airline, you have obviously noticed some of the chaos going on at some of the airports around <laughs> the world in Canada. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Well, I, I think it creates... Uh, I I would answer that a few ways. One is, obviously, there's a huge surge in demand. I think that um, there's opportunity for this to be managed significantly better than it's being managed. Um, You know, creating a a good experience for customers is something that we're very, very focused on. So we have our own ground handlers. uh, We have uh, our pilots. We have our crew. uh, There's no shortage of staff at Canada Jetlines. When we start operating, uh, we will operate our flights, and uh, there will be no service interruption due to lack of uh, staff or delays. Um, and again, we've got great relationships with the airports that we're operating into, um, you know, and, and I guess, uh, you know, the way uh, passengers are uh, sort of extremely frustrated is just the sheer volume um, that is that is arisen um, and the airlines just haven't been able to uh, plan uh, appropriately and get themselves in a position where they have the right staff. Uh, they've, uh, you know, either onboarded new staff or per- brought staff back that they had uh, either furloughed, mm-hmm. early retired, or released um, uh, during the pandemic. So um, it, it's not a surprise that uh, there would be a big demand. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think anyone's surprised by the demand. I think uh, perhaps a little bit of better planning um, on a number of different fronts would have uh, resolved the customer frustration. So what's the uh, onboard or in-flight experience going to be like? What can we expect when we uh, step on board a Canada Jetline? Well, what you can expect is a very customer-centric crew, uh, an extremely friendly crew that is uh, going to be excited to have you on board the aircraft. Uh, we will have uh, buy-on-board products. Uh, we have uh, meals. We have drinks. Um, we'll have branded drinks, actually. We've uh, partnered with our friends at Minhas Breweries, uh, and we have some very unique uh, drink options that will be branded Canada Jetline. So uh, we have a, a Jetline's Moscow Mule, um, we have uh, a root beer. Uh, we have cream soda. Um, you know, not a traditional offering on board the aircraft, quite frankly. Uh, we'll also have Coke products on board. Um, so those are the types of products that we'll have. Um, we have an IFP system, uh, in-flight entertainment system that we've out of France that is uh, world-class IFP. And so there'll be literally hundreds of uh, stations, uh, whether it's podcasts, whether it's movies, TV shows, um, books, uh, entertainment channels, um, just a tremendous onboard offering relative to uh, in-flight entertainment. Well, it all sounds very exciting. You can go to jetlines.ca to find out more information. And Duncan Bureau is the Chief Commercial Officer at Canada Jetlines. Uh, congratulations, Duncan. Yeah, well, thank you very much. And uh, you know, I'll give a quick shout out to all of the travel agents out there who we're extremely excited to work with. Um, and we're really looking forward to their support. So 
have you ever seen those rants on social media complaining about a certain hotel or flight experience? Well, there are some ways to go about it, and they're outlined in a great article on USA Today titled, Trying to Get an Airline, Hotel, or Cruise Line's Attention? Try These Social Media Strategies. And the author is travel journalist and consumer advocate Chris Elliott. His website is elliott.org, and elliottconfidential.com is where you can sign up for his newsletter. Hi, Chris. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. I love this article. I think we've all seen rants on social media uh, where people say this airline is terrible or this hotel sucks or, or whatever, but that's really not the best way to go about it, is it, if you want your problem solved? Yeah, the whole uh, rant in all uppercase with uh, angry emojis, that doesn't work. Too. There are better ways, and, and what I found so surprising is that people have no idea. Well, yeah, exactly. I think we all have this misconception that there's this group of people out there that are representing an airline or hotel or cruise line or whatever, and they're just monitoring social media rants so they can fix the problem. That's not, that's not what's going on, is it? No, they are monitoring it, but it's usually being done by a bot. So it's all very automated and they, they also know who you are. So, you know, if you tweet out to an airline, for example, they immediately connect it to your frequent flyer account and so they know how valuable you are. This has been going on for some time now. Same thing with, uh, with, with Facebook and uh, some of the other social networks is uh, they've definitely got your number. Well, and that doesn't mean that they're ignoring you altogether, because there are strategies, and that's what this uh, all, this article is all about: is uh, is going through the proper channels and the proper steps and procedures. And there are certain things, like like you know, if you do have a complaint, there is the certain things you you should do first before you rant on social media, right? And you outline that in this article, right? I do. Yeah, I mean, there's a procedure that you normally follow. Uh, I've always recommended in my consumer advocacy organization that people put everything in writing instead of trying to call. And the reason for that is that you have a paper trail. And if you ever need to go back to that paper trail, you can say, look, I wrote to you and here's the email that I sent. Whereas if you're doing it on phone, then you don't really have a record unless you're recording your calls. That's not always possible or legal. Mm hmm. Uh, but and now once you've gone through that avenue and you're still not satisfied, they still haven't solved your problem, whatever it is, uh, to your satisfaction. What are some of the things that you can be doing then? Yeah, you know, uh, the shout out on Twitter does work. What you want to do is make sure that you're calling out the right place. So a lot of times an airline or a hotel will have a specific account that deals with customer complaints. It's usually ending, it's the company name and help at the end or something like that. So you want to make sure that you're uh, tweeting them out or sending a message to them on Facebook, doing a call out, on, uh, yeah, doing a call out there. Um, but usually uh, the companies like to resolve things behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So you'll get like a, a direct message from the uh, company when you call it out and it'll say, hey, can you send some details over our way? Or, or you can do that on Facebook as well, using a direct message um, or, or just a Facebook message. And uh, so the, the company is really trying to get it off the public Internet and get it more into the, uh, the a private realm where they can deal with it personally. They don't like big spectacles and being embarrassed in public. Mm -hmm. Well, nobody likes that and nobody likes being yelled at or sworn at. So, you know, you got to mind your manners, as you, as you point out as well, and just stick to the facts. 
Absolutely true. You don't want to be too emotional. And this goes back to how to resolve your consumer complaint. I have several really exhaustive articles on my website on that. And, you know, you, you want to be polite. You want to be brief. And you don't want to yell or threaten. A lot of people immediately go the legal route and then they say, hey, I'm going to sue you if you don't do this. That All that does is sometimes it'll send your complaint to the legal department where it will get ignored because the lawyers know you don't have the resources to sue the company and mm-hmm. it's not even worth it. Um, but let me tell you the one secret that I found that a, a lot of people didn't know about, I was surprised, is that LinkedIn is starting to become the new go-to social network to get your problems resolved. What people are doing is they're going to LinkedIn, they're finding the name of a manager who can help them, and they're sending uh, an email. Those are little mails that you can send within LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And they're getting their problems resolved very quickly, faster than going through the regular channels. I was really surprised by that. Well, I was too, and I was going to bring that up too. It's like, it's like really? Wow. And so, yeah, get a LinkedIn account if you don't have one so that you can get access to the uh, executives and the people that can, the, the decision makers, basically, right? Uh, if you have a LinkedIn account and you know you're trying to reach, you can reach out to them on LinkedIn and send them a direct message. Um, they, LinkedIn does charge to send messages. Mm. which I think is kind of stupid, but that, that's a whole other t- topic. But uh, it's because it's a professional network, um, it's taken much more seriously by the executives because they'll use that network to find their next job. So they're more likely to go and answer an email or a message on there than, say, through Twitter where you know anyone can get on Twitter. Uh, lots of great advice. Anything I missed you might want to touch upon? Well, I do want to say that I run a nonprofit organization. We do help people when all their options have run out and they can't get through to anyone. And it's totally free, not just travel. If you have if you've bought a car that ended up being a lemon or your appliance blew up, we can help you, too. And that address is Elliot.org forward slash help. And ElliotConfidential.com is where you can also sign up for Chris's newsletter. Elliot.org is uh, a wealth of information as well. And Chris Elliot is uh, the founder and curator of all those websites, consumer advocate, travel journalist, and author of the book, How to Be the World's Smartest Traveler. Uh, We could probably talk for hours, Chris, but I appreciate you taking the time out to do this. Thank you. You bet. Well, if you're looking for a driving adventure later this summer or into the fall, Travel Nevada has a few ideas for you, and one of them is the Lake Tahoe Loop. So joining us now to share where the Lake Tahoe Loop will take you is Tracy Barnhouse. She is the PR manager for Travel Nevada. The website is TravelNevada.com. Hi, Tracy. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for doing this and taking the time. Uh, Nevada is a pretty big state, uh, so if we talked just about Nevada, I think it would probably take us a few hours. So we're going to try and narrow it down to uh, an interesting tour that you can take uh, from your website. It's called the Lake Tahoe Loop. So what is the Lake Tahoe Loop? Yeah, so kind of to your point, there are so many things to do and see in the state. And so Travel Nevada, we have 10 different road trips that kind of crisscross through the entire state. The Lake Tahoe Loop is one of those road trips. And it really is focused on the towns and communities around Reno and Lake Tahoe, which if you've never been to Lake Tahoe, it's the most beautiful alpine lake in the world. It's absolutely stunning year-round. 
Um, it's a great place to see and visit. But there's also a lot of diversity on that road trip as well. It's not just the lake. There's a lot of history and culture on that road trip. Um, of course, the city of Reno, which is known for its kind of artsy, hippie vibe. Um, there is the old saloons in the the, um, in the town of Genoa. There's just a lot of diversity to see and do on this road trip. And it would be a great place for someone who's just looking to kind of get a feel for many different topics on a, on a vacation. Mm-hmm. So um, I would assume that you probably start in Reno. That's probably the easiest place to get to, right? Absolutely. Yep. Reno, Reno is, is the place to start. And I'm looking on the map because it's kind of cool. If you, again, if you go into your uh, website, uh, travelnevada.com, uh, Lake Tahoe Loop, there's a little map there. So I'm kind of going to follow along here. So we're going to head south from Reno and kind of move over to Lake Tahoe. Is that, is that sort of the direction that you go? I guess it doesn't matter which direction you go, though, right? Yeah, you know, everything in this general region is pretty close. So you really could take the road trip in any which direction you wanted. You're not, you're not going to be traveling hours upon hours to get to the next place. So it's all pretty, you know, pretty condensed down. And you can see a lot um, because of that as well. But from Reno, you could go to Lake Tahoe. It's about 45 minutes away to an hour. And like I said, it's great in in all, all seasons. It's just phenomenal if you like to ski. There's wonderful, amazing ski resorts in the town. You know, right now it's summer that we're talking about, and there's a lot of um, cruises, like dinner boat cruises that go out into the lake, and um, the hiking, the mountain biking trails become hiking trails in the summer. So there's a lot of outdoor recreation in the Lake Tahoe area. So how many days would you suggest to do this? I mean, on your website it says two to five days. I don't think two would be quite enough <laughs> if you yeah. really wanted to take it in, right? Cause, and how much of a distance does it cover? So it's I yeah I would say maybe a little bit more than two days. You'd probably need at least three or four I would say, and it covers a distance of around 150 miles or so when, when all is said and done. But like I said, it's not it's not going to take you way out of the way. Everything is kind of meant to be. You can jump from place to place and not spend lots of time in the car. So the, all the towns and communities that surround this road trip are pr- pretty close together. For example, I live in Reno. And I work down in Carson City, which is one of the stops on this road trip, and that's about a 45-minute drive. So it really is, um, there's just a lot to see and do on on the the road, but you probably do need a good three or four days. I mean, once you see Lake Tahoe, you might want to stay there (laughs) and get out and, you know, enjoy the lake and all the wonderful things that it has to offer. But, of course, we would encourage you to go and see all the other things um, around the area too as part of this road trip Mm -hmm. so good it's not a lot of driving like i say you drive for an hour get out and you may spend the night or or depending on where you are so let's talk about some of the highlights if i'm going to take five days for example because i'm a a slow driver for example (laughs) how what are some of the things that, that i should see so you should definitely you'll be flying into reno so i'd absolutely plan at least a day or two maybe even in that town you know i don't know if you're familiar with the burning man festival no, I'm not. Okay, so it's a festival that takes place about two hours north of Reno every September. It's a big arts community, a big arts festival that people come out and um, and celebrate just art and freedom and life, and it's a great event. The There's a lot of big art installations that are constructed over the year that are brought out into the desert, and people can they make art cars where they put lights on their cars. They make you know, vehicles that are, that are, have lights decorated and you just drive around and you can view these outdoor art installations. 
it's called Burning Man. So they do burn some of the art down, but they don't do that to all the art pieces. Some of them they deconstruct and they bring to, to Reno okay. and they put them back together. And so there's a lot of those kind of art pieces that you can see in the town. Reno has a lot of kind of that um, bohemian kind of free spirited vibe. There's a lot of independent restaurants and boutiques. A river runs through the middle of Reno, so there's, it's just beautiful. So I would ap- absolutely plan a day or so in Reno just to kind of walk around and, mm-hmm. and get a feel for the city. Okay, so now if I'm at Lake Tahoe, is that sort of the big highlight? Not to take anything away from some of the other spots, but I, I would imagine that's, that's kind of the, the, the gem, right? Lake Tahoe is it's stunning. It's just a beautiful, beautiful lake. It is um, it's just it's a great place to go and relax and just enjoy a beautiful view of the mountains surrounding the lake. But it's also great for outdoor recreation if you're into mountain biking or hiking or, you know, anything from, you know, more easy, softer adventure to the more extreme adventure. You can find that in Lake Tahoe. And it's just a stunning, stunning place um, that everyone should see at least at least once in their life. Uh, again, I'm looking on the map here that's uh, on your website, uh, TravelNevada.com. Tell me a bit about, as you go further south, uh, uh, down past uh, Lake Tahoe, there's the South Lake Tahoe. Is that a town? Is that a city? Could I stay overnight there? Yeah, so Lake Tahoe, we promote two different kind of regions of Lake Tahoe. It, south Lake Tahoe is kind of, it sits on the border of California and Nevada, so you can literally walk across the street and be in California. Um, and on the other side, the Nevada side, that's where game, gaming is legal. So you'll find kind of those bigger high-rise resorts on the Nevada side of, of the lake down in South Lake Tahoe. South Lake Tahoe does have a little bit more of a kind of lively atmosphere. There's a lot of, there's a summer concert series going on down there right now that is just, it's, the backdrop is the lake and it's stunning and beautiful. So South Lake Tahoe does have a lot of more, um, more lively atmosphere. North Lake Tahoe, the other part that we promote at Travel Nevada is kind of a little more rustic. It's a little quieter. Um, you'll find kind of more cabin type accommodations, but they also have the Hyatt Regency Lake Tahoe, which is a stunning property that um, they have their own um, catamaran that you can take out onto the lake and uh, their own you know, private beachside at the lake as well. So there's a lot that you can do depending on what kind of vacation you're looking for. But like I said, these they're probably within 30 minutes of each other, so you could kind of get the best of both worlds. But now from there, you go a little further south, and it's Topaz Lake. Tell me about that. Yeah, so the town, the community of um, Gardnerville, Minden, and Genoa, and Topaz Lake are part of Carson Valley. So Carson Valley lies in kind of the, the valley, of course, on the other side of Lake Tahoe. It's another great lake that you can, you know, do motorsports on. Um, it's really popular right now in the summer, of course, people doing water skiing and tubing and all sorts of fun water sport activities. But then if you venture more into the Carson Valley area, it's really an agricultural area. So there are uh, tours that you can take with a photographer to go capture photos of wild horses that are that you can find all over the place in this part of Nevada. Um, it's a great tour to participate in. There's also a lot of hawks and eagles that have, you know, that fly through this area. So there's a lot of wildlife. Um, in the Carson Valley area. Also, I can't. I have to mention um, the the oldest saloon in Nevada, which is in the town of Genoa. 
it's, you know, a throwback to the old days. Nothing has changed from when it first opened in the late 1800s. It's just a a great place to visit for, you know, a drink or some lunch or just um, a place to hang out and kind of learn a little bit of Nevada's history. Nice. Uh, Let's talk. We're running short of time here, but uh, I want to touch on Carson City and Virginia City. Where would be the best place to do overnight or does it matter? Yeah, so Carson City is the state capital of Nevada. There's a, you're going to find all the probably well-known hotel chains, hotel accommodations there. Um, there's a walking tour that you can take of Carson City to learn of the history of the town. Oh, cool. Um, you know, of course, the Capitol building and just it's all along the Kit Carson Trail. So just a lot of that kind of pioneering spirit you can find in Carson City. There's great restaurants, too. They're promoting um, something right now called the Carson City Triathlon. And what that is is not what you might think. It is a a drink from a from a from a bar called the Sassafras. <laughs> then right next door to this bar is a hot spring, so a dip in the hot spring, and then a di- um, a dinner at the restaurant. So it's it's the triathlon. <laughs> <laughs> That's so my kind of triathlon. Like. That's the <laughs> kind of triathlon I would do. <laughs> it's the same, same thing. And then Virginia City, going a little bit, getting closer to Reno to complete the loop. Mm-hmm. Virginia City is an old boom town that um, really they struck gold in the late 1800s. The, the sil- I'm sorry, the silver that was found there um, helped to build the town of San Francisco. So it was a massive amount of silver and money that came out of Virginia City. They've maintained a lot of that Wild West kind of spirit. You'll find the wooden boardwalks and the you know, the cowboy hat shops and the old time photography. And you can take a mine, a mine tour down and see kind of the, the equipment that they use to mine down in the, down in the area. So mm-hmm. it's a great place to visit as well. Just like I said, there's so much diversity and so much to see and do on this road trip that you really, you really get the best of everything. Yeah. I might want to take 10 days instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> and then of course, so there you can drive back, back up to Reno and even spend a couple days uh, in Reno to finish up if you wanted to. It's the uh, Lake Tahoe Loop. It sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, just part, a small part when you pan out from uh, the state of Nevada map. You can find more about it on the uh, Travel Nevada website, travelnevada.com. And Tracy Barthouse is the public relations manager for Travel Nevada. It was fun chatting, Tracy. Same. Thank you so much. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website, theinformedtraveler.org. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know, leave a review, tell a friend, or you can drop me a line. My email is randy at theinformedtraveler.org. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler or follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.org.